You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Gotcha, Ryan. You just got you sitting down. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. I hope you uh, had a glorious weekend. Everybody deserves a great weekend. Um, I had a good weekend. We had a uh, a great show. We had a, a stage it show. Nice. If you didn't come, make sure you uh, come next time. That didn't sound good at all. But uh, you know, you come every time. Every last Saturday of the month every month every last saturday we do a stage at a 2 p.m show and a 6 p.m show so make sure you come there um and the band is sunspin we're at sunspin.com you can book us zoom us tons of merch all that stuff and our handles are at, at sunspin band everywhere um last week's episode i hope you guys loved uh katie sackoff from the mandalorian if you haven't watched it or see it's uh, i really enjoyed that one that was a glorious job ryan mm-hmm you ever have those days where you just feel a little off yeah oh for like sure like you're just like you know you're just you know not that you're going through the motions but you're kind of like foggy mm-hmm. a little foggy yep is it just because when you get older you get foggy you just kind of wake up sometimes and it takes you seven hours to wake up and by then it's already time for a nap i think it happens in phases i'm having one of those weeks too yeah it's just a, a weird week but you wake up and you go oh that's shit again huh mm. yeah i mean that's what happens i think also you know my dog's just had eye surgery, Irv, and uh, it's been really, really slowing down. And I got to start thinking of, you know, down the road. It's probably it's, it's the first time it hit me that my dog, Irv, I might sometime have to do what you have to do when the dog gets, you know, put him down. Yeah, um, the first time I thought that was last week and I just looked at him and he was struggling so much with his walking. And I just started to go, you know, he's you know he's 70 percent deaf he's his vision is bad it's like when does it he's really 13 years old they live till 10 to 12 for this type of dogs and you start to go hey i'm not going to torture this guy like my grandfather who died of alzheimer's i'm not going to fucking watch him deteriorate mm-hmm. and, and i couldn't do anything about it do you know how many times i prayed at night i said god please take him peacefully in his sleep he does not want to be alive i know my grandfather please take him away I would always like pray for my grandfather to pass away because I knew he that he would be like, what the hell are we doing? What is this? I, I don't even know where I am. You son of a bitches, you know? And I feel like Irv, you know, gave me that look a week ago. He was just like, Hey dude, um, this is kind of starting to suck. So be on the radar, have, you know, have your radar on. So anyway, I love my dog Irv and uh, I'm going to keep him as long as I can until I feel like he's had enough. And uh, I think it's a mutual thing. So we both kind of like going, hey, man, this is like, uh, you know, it's it's enough is enough. Mm-hmm. There was a song in the 70s. Enough is enough is enough. I can't go on. I can't go on. Sorry to bring you down. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, thanks to all the patrons out there. The patron love. If you want to join the fucking amazing family. I just dropped an F-bomb. I don't do that a lot. But uh, it's patreon.com slash inside of you, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash inside of you. And uh, I, I always message you afterwards. And I, I just love the support from my fellow patrons when someone else joins and they're welcoming. And there's all sorts of fun shit there. And um, also new merch on the Inside of You online store. We got awesome white mugs. They're badass. You got to look at them. Awesome white like sippers, tumblers, mm-hmm. white t-shirts are coming, and white 
beanies are coming fun so the mugs and tumbles are here they're really cool we wanted to just try a different color because it's usually black it's usually this let's go try not to ship it with the new red wine is all i'm gonna say red red wine yeah that wouldn't be a good idea <laughs> we don't ship the red one you can't ship alcohol can you i don't know you can shit alcohol <laughs> um what are the handles for the inside you podcast and please guys if you're here and you're in the mood for Zach Braff, I'd love for you to just uh, subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts or watch on YouTube and subscribe. It helps the show enormously. And if you like the show and you actually at the end go, you know what, Rosenbaum, you did a good job. I'm going to subscribe. That would make me feel good and it would really help the show. So I hope you do that. What are the handles, Rod? Right. Uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube.com slash Inside of You with michael rosenbaum and it's right there right there mm -hmm. you can see it it's beautiful the graphics mm -hmm. uh thanks to everybody out there for listening and continue to listen and we got great guests coming up today's guests i loved having him on he's a neighbor of mine i have only seen him once in 18 twice in 18 years so not that close of a neighbor but a great guy a genuinely great guy and after talking to him for the first time really uh you just you see how genuine he is and humble i appreciated him being here some great stories um, you know, him from Scrubs and um, many movies. I mean, didn't he get nominated for an Academy Award? Garden State was a big right? deal. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and uh, he just did a big movie with Robert De Niro, and the stories he has are just beautiful. Even stories about Morgan Freeman when he directed Morgan and Michael Caine. Oh, yeah. Uh, so enjoy this one. Let's get inside of Zach Braff. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You. Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Look how professional you are. Well, I have the rig. I have all the gear because of our my own podcast, and I know what an ordeal it is and how much better it sounds when you have the real gear and then just over zoom. In fact, I had the audacity to eat popcorn on our podcast and my, my social media feeds were blowing up with people saying, please don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out, turns out people don't like chewing in their ear. Uh, while yeah. You're that's the thing. You know, I always like chewing gum too. And I never understood what people thought. You shouldn't chew gum while you're doing whatever. And I'm like, you know, and then you hear somebody else do it and they're a chomper. And you know what pisses me off? I'll just fire away. Go ahead. Is that, you know, I eat popcorn and I, I try to be quiet, but my friend Deneen has popcorn ears. So she's always like, I'm Michael, I, I can't sit near you. Like in the theater when we used to be, remember, remember when right. we used to do that? We used to go to remember the theater. movie theaters? The oh, art was so fun. But she would say, I'm not sitting by you. I'm like, I'm, I, how could you hear me? How could you hear me eat? I can hear you. My mouth's closed. I get so upset because I want to, I want to do the right thing. I know, I know. I didn't. I, I knew it would be annoying to people, but I didn't think that people would be like, "No, seriously, I have a problem. I I couldn't listen today." So no more popcorn on my podcast. Do you have anything that people get annoyed about? Or is there something you do that either your buddy Donald Faison or other friends or your girlfriend uh, do they just get? Oh, I hate when you do that. Oh my God, stop it. Oh, probably. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm trying to think of what though. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of things, but I can't think of anything off the well, listening, off hand. For instance, listening is one that I have a sometimes an issue with. Uh, I try to listen, and, and my excuse is always, "Well, listen, when you have something really, you can't say that though." But what I mean to say is, look, when you have something that is like, I'm here for you. If it, if it's serious, 
I'm here. I'm listening. I don't have to listen to everything. Do you listen to everything? I, I have a pet peeve of being interrupted, actually. That's something I have with, with people a lot. Mm. And, um, and because I'm just aware that we don't listen to each other really that, that much. And so when I have one, uh, I was one, Sean Hayes was once on an episode of Scrubs and he, he jokingly said, someone interrupted me. I'm sorry, I'm not used to being interrupted. And I thought that was so funny. So I've stolen that. Like when my friends, when you're, when you're, when you're telling an excited story and someone's interrupting you, I was sorry, I'm not used to being interrupted. And um, <laughs> that kind of, that's a way of saying, shut the fuck up. I'm talking in a joking way. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is that you just said that when you don't like that's your pet peeve you don't like it and i looked over and ryan looked at me like like he knows that i'm gonna interrupt you for sure No, it's fine and this context is fine i'm talking about <laughs> when like you're telling a story or you're in a conversation and I, we all do it i'm not saying I, I do it as well but i'm saying you there are people that are egregious i know i have one woman i know who the whole time you're talking you're in a conversation she says something and then while I'm talking. She's going, uh-huh, 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 yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I just, that, that, that's a pet peeve of mine. I don't like that. Let me, let me talk. Yeah, that happened to me in New York. I was working at uh, Emergency Skills Incorporated. And, uh, you know, I'd call places up and I'd go, hey, do you realize when someone has a heart attack on the job that you have less than seven minutes? To, hello? Hello? Emergency? <laughs> you know what I mean? No one ever, you know. And, and the woman, Lorraine, I think it was, who worked there, she would... Um, I've never heard anything like this. I thought it was a joke at first, but I'd say, she goes, um, Michael, did you uh, call back uh, the, the hospital? And I go, yeah. And as I'm saying, yes, yeah, she's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I thought it was like a Seinfeld episode. I couldn't believe it. And I, I didn't know what to do. So I just got, you know. It's the same thing, man. I, I, it's a, I think it's a nervous tick some people have where they, go, where they just, they, they can't not be talking. There's also um, sentence finishers. That's a pet peeve. Oh, God. Ah, they're, con fuck. they're constantly trying to guess what you're saying. And I'm like, that must be exhausting for you. Let me just fin. I have the sentence. It's ready to go. <laughs> My friend Rob does that. And the thing is, no, no, I do it to Rob. Where Rob will say something and I'll go, because I do know these stories. I know him so well that I feel like I'm like, come on, you're fucking taking forever, dude. So he's like, yeah, so anyway, and I talked to my dad, right, right, and, he, and it's fused now. His back's fused. He didn't have to get the fuse. He goes, no, would you let me finish? You know, you're 90% of the time wrong. And then I'm in an argument where I'm like, no, I'm like 85% right. So, but you're right. I should not finish sentences at all. It, it is rude, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, again, we all do this. I'm just saying some people are more egregious than others. And I, and I do find that that's funny. Some with people in my life who are really bad at it. I'm like, oh, the, your brain is working so hard <laughs> to guess what I'm going to say. You've got four guesses out and they're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you my thought, and then you'll go. <laughs> uh, you, uh, this should be a scene. You have to write this. This is funny. I know. I know. I, 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 I you know, like everybody, I, I always think, like you just said, like, oh, that'd be a good Seinfeld episode. Or like, oh, that's that's the beginning of Seinfeld was so great because it could just take a little irk, a little, a little something that bothered us and then make a whole episode out of it. Right. Know? Right. For sure. Now, you like I have I deal with anxiety and stuff and I always talk about it on the podcast but I read that you you had OCD as a boy and you know yeah. I had attention deficit disorder do you is OCD is something that you uh you manage is it something that you had when you were a kid you lose it you, it's gone I it's I had anxiety disorder uh, 
first of all, OCD is a type of an anxiety disorder um, where, and it manifests in lots of different ways for people. A classic way for children is tapping. That is to say, and I've told this this story on on uh, on my podcast because we just did an episode. We just reviewed, went over an episode where Michael J. Fox was playing someone with severe OCD. Um, I had sort of a, a, a more mild version of as a child where I remember I would have to touch things and tap things. And if you're wondering what the thinking is going on in, in the person, or in this case, the child's mind, I remember thinking, I know even as a, let's say, eight-year-old that this is crazy. But just to cover my bases so I'm safe, I'm going to do it. So an example would be I'm leaving the room and we're going out to dinner and I need to kiss the teddy bear on its head six times. And if I don't, something bad could happen. Something bad could happen to my family. Now, I know that that's a crazy thought, even as an eight-year-old. But I remember thinking, you know what? But just to cover my bases, just for safety's sake, I'm going to do it. It's a lot like superstition. Like, I still won't walk under a ladder. Me neither. I, I don't think that there's special forces that are going hurt him now. But in my brain still, I go, eh, just to cover my bases, I'm not going to walk under the ladder. And that that's how, the, that that at least that obsessive compulsive uh, tapping thing manifested for me as a child. Now, did your parents notice it? Like, oh, Zach's yeah. doing oh, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, they brought me to a, a psychologist or psychiatrist. I forgot which one. And and um, you know, he they they, they explained it to them. My my mom was a psychologist, so she was uh, in the know about about it. And then uh, I think he said in some ways, you know, this will he'll be dealing with some aspect of this his whole life. Um, just you know, but it's but it's manageable. And then I and then I didn't I didn't think of it in the forefront of my brain because the tapping, the sort of the most bizarre stuff, obsessively washing my hands, that sort of stuff, I grew out of. Um. Um, but you know, and then, and then you just, so, and then I just, you know, began to realize that I was a bit of an anxious person, but that just kind of went along with feel like the stereotypic East coast Jewish, you know, guy, we were, I was raised on Woody Allen movies. He was like a, the, the icon of, 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 uh, of being an East coast Jewish American. And he, you know, he was cartoonishly neurotic and, and anxious and, and so we just thought it was, I just thought it was part of being who I was. Right. And now, and now as a 45 year old, I, I see places where I'm possibly more, more anxious about things than in the average human being. Do you think you've gotten more anxious as years have gone on? For me, I felt like, uh, I always sort of say, think in terms of I had more energy. So, uh, you know, I was younger, my body could deal with the stress. It could deal with all these things. And then I hit a certain age and all this shit kind of added up. And now uh, it manifests itself and then comes out a- in a different way, which doesn't feel as good. Sometimes, you know, I don't feel as confident. Sometimes I feel a little bit um, just too much on edge. I'm a little bit wound up. Uh, the anxiety affects me differently than it did when I was younger. So do you, do you feel that? Yes, absolutely. It's the same thing. I think that um, it just found a way to peek its head out in a different way. There's a line I, I wrote I wrote some of this in my film Garden State because um, it was manifesting itself in a, a post when I graduated college in in a new way, um, and I and I was having these really bad sporadic headaches, and um, I did go to a neurologist and 
they said in so many words, it's anxiety. There's nothing wrong with you. And in the film, um, the the neurologist um, tells me, you know, if you don't deal with some of these things, they're going to find a way of peeking their head out of the water. And so that's kind of how I, 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 I felt, you know, in my early twenties, I felt like I haven't, the doctor as I was a child was right. I haven't really dealt with any of this in, in, in any way. And, and, and I don't really know how, I mean, I can go to therapy. Um, I can do things that decrease my anxiety, but, um, at the time I felt really, um, scared and, 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 uh, and, and, um, I'm anxious for lack of a better word about it. And, and, um, so that's, so that was one of the things that, that, that created garden state. It sort of came out of, of, of all that. Well, what makes you anxious now? What, uh, and what do you do about it? Like what, what things make you anxious? I, the way I would describe it is, is that, um, anything that makes everybody else anxious makes a person with, with OCD or anxiety, um, anxious. It's just our, our base is higher. We're starting higher. You know, you can have like an adrenaline surge that's the equivalent of a, of you were almost in a car accident over something that's that might make someone uncomfortable or anxious, but it shouldn't shouldn't warrant a, a giant adrenaline spike. Yeah, I feel like uh, my anxiousness is this is why I get upset. Like if you're getting upset about something that seems somewhat significant, hey, you know, I have to go do stand up tonight in front of a thousand people and I've only been doing it a couple of months. Okay, there's, you know, it's warranted, right? But then when you start going, I got to go get the mail. I'm a little anxious about the mail. <laughs> I mean, not maybe not that small. I don't do that. But there's always a bit of anxiousness with everything I do. I feel like I'm always a step ahead. Like, I have to hurry through things. I have to get You're worrying. Them. You're worrying. Yeah. You know, yeah. some of us worry more. I think there's some people who go through life. I always just thought everyone was like this. But I realize now at 45, there's people that go through life uh, worrying less and 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 being, um, um, I don't know, they can operate more easily in, in, a, in a time. I mean, this is just such a, you know, this time with this pandemic and, and, and the economic crisis that's that it's causing and all of all every and, and of course, the, the politics of the president and all of that. It's just such a fucking giant clusterfuck of of um, of anxiety um, for everybody. Yeah. Um, so it's a very heightened time. Yeah. You know, you you live down up the street from me. We are neighbors. I drive by you and and we wave. Um, and we finally, um, well, now we're finally having a chat. I'm I'm, I'm 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 really glad about that. I am too. And it, it, you know, it's rare to see you. And I look at your like you know everything you've done. And it was one of those things where I'm like, this guy doesn't stop. And I always look at like. I said this to Dax. I've said this to other people that, you know, you're directing, you're writing, you're doing, I mean, there's, there, you, this list is endless. There's not, you're, you don't sit there and do nothing. Do you? Is it very hard for well, you? Well, my, to- my, yes, very hard for me. Why? Way, that causes, that causes anxiety for me. If you're asking what are triggers, my, my agent said it best uh, when I was, I'm sure frustrating the fuck out of him. My directing agent, I was probably bugging about some project I wanted to set up. And he was like, you know, you don't idle well. And I don't idle well. I like to be, I, I'm happiest when I'm working. I'm happiest when I'm creating. Um, you know, when we do what we do and you're, a, and you're a, 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 basically a freelance creator, whether you're an actor, director, writer, s- singer, songwriter, you're always waiting for the next thing to happen. And when I'm not doing that, I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm not as happy as when I'm doing it. 
But how do you handle? I just got a four day. I just did a four day directing job um, in, in for for an Amazon show, and it was like mega. Co- it's my only time I've worked in, during COVID, and, and it was all the extreme precautions and PPE and directing and shields and masks and. And it was, I mean, almost silly sometimes, uh, uh, the level of safety, which was completely appropriate. And I'm, I'm happy about it. But it was crazy directing in a fit mask and a shield and staying 10 feet away from y- your actor. But my point was the whole time I was there, I was so happy. I, I felt like I felt like a fish back in water. You know, I just I, that's what I like doing. I like making things. Now, you, you still have a girlfriend, Florence or whatever. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys have been dating a while. Now, you know, when you have jobs the next morning, like people work, they go to a nine to five, most people in the real world, right? We're very fortunate that, you know, we get to go on set and, but still that, you know, with certain jobs, the work never dies, it never ends. So when you have someone or you're around your friends, is your mind always thinking about tomorrow? Is your mind always thinking about set lists and, and all the things you have to do? Is it hard to be present with someone? And is, I mean, that's, that's what it seems like if you're always working then it's hard to just disconnect from it. Um, I don't really, I think we're both, because we're both, um, well, this has been, it's been, this, this year doesn't count. It's funny to say, because everything's got thrown up in the air, but traditionally um, I think we're both um, been people who are excited about the things we're working on. And, and so we'll, we, we chat about it and, we want to we want to say oh you know we read this page i wrote this today and i think it's kind of the scene is getting better or 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 i'll run lines with her and and you know so we 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 bring it we bring it into the relationship we bring the the we bring it together and and uh, yeah otherwise you're off in your corners are you a defensive person like i think i get sometimes defensive when someone tells me says something that i'm not that i know isn't true that's the worst thing you could do to me. I, I I try to get better about it in my as I've gotten older and, and accept criticism and 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 really look at the situation. Um, I think that's something that comes with age, being being able to go, okay, let me. My first instinct is to be defensive and and be pissed, but let me <laughs> let me pause, let me think. <laughs> okay, I can see your perspective on that. I mean, this is after working on myself a bunch, yeah, and um and doing sort of you know courses and, 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 um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in, 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 in doing work on myself. And I've, again, I had, my stepfather was a psychologist. My mom's a psychologist. Oh. My stepmother's a therapist. So I've had a lot of this stuff in my life and I'm always kind of working on myself. So to answer your question, I think <laughs> I'm, my, my instinct, of course, like everyone else is to be like, fuck you. But in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, well zoom out for a second. What was their perception of it? How did it come across? Like, you know, let's look at it from their shoes. Yeah. Well, you know, I picture myself as somewhat of a leader at times, but I do defer to people who are smarter than me, which is most people. And I, I, a lot of times, whether it's a therapist and they say, when your mom asks for something or money or this, or she's talking, crying about her, you know, she has to get a mammogram and she's scared and, and, and she keeps doing you don't have to just give into this thing and take all this energy and, and, and just sort of like, just ex- it's exhausting. So yeah. she'll say, so it's almost like I, in therapy, I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to tell me what to say sometimes. And she says, say to your mother or other people that do this, I'm sorry to hear that. So I started doing that. And I was like, she was like I don't know. And I was like, Mom, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I was like, 
yeah, fuck yeah. You just said that. Fuck yeah. You didn't go on that. Just, fuck yeah. And then she's like, would your therapist tell you to say that? Like, God damn it. Shut up. You know, uh, so those things, I mean. I think I, a lot of times people just want to vent. They don't really want your, your tooth sense. I find like a lot of times people just want you to be heard. And they, and you just let them go and let them vent and 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 you go I, wow I hear you yeah that sucks oh my god yeah oh I can understand how you'd feel that yeah and they just kind of want to be I mean that's why I mean isn't that what ninety percent of the therapist does anyway I mean occasionally they'll give you some good uh, tidbits and some good steering but um but yeah I I I, I think a lot of times I I. I I think I've realized that a lot of times people, when they're in a space where they're bitching, they don't want you to be like, here's what you need to do. Then they get all riled up and they're mad. They, they really just want you to listen. <laughs> See, you just gave me some great advice. But yeah, I I'm know, a better therapist than your therapist. But I know certain people look at me afterwards and I go, you know, I'm really I'm sorry. And they, and they want you to kind of, come on, tell me what. And they look at you like, that's it? That's all you got? But maybe it's healthier. It is. Obviously, it's healthier. No, I think you, to me, I think. I mean, if they keep asking you, like, what should I do? What should I do? Then, of course, you can weigh in. But right. I think, like, I think more often than not, and your listeners may disagree, but I feel like people want to be heard. And it's, there's a lot, what they want is, I hear you. That, that fucking sucks. If I was in your shoes, I, you're, you're, you're justified in being upset about that. If I was in your shoes, I would be completely upset by that. My mom, as a therapist, um, well, as a therapist and a mom would say to me something that I always remembered from my childhood, which was, she would say, you know, if, if you weren't upset by that, Zach, there'd be something wrong with you. And, and I, and I really, I've held on to that my whole life. I, I think that's really helpful because I think so, so often we feel like we're not justified in what we're feeling. And, and my mom as a therapist, sorry, my dog's decided now's the time to, to play with the toy right by the mic. That's a cute dog. But, what, what's, what's her name? That's Billy. You've seen her in the car yeah, before. Yeah, Billy. Should we Billy. walk by your house? Yeah, she can't I hear promise you. I, always, I always curb the dog. If she poops outside your house, I always pick it up. <laughs> uh, Billy's decided. It's funny with dogs. I imagine if it's like this way with children. Um, she wasn't playing with this toy the whole day, but I called you and she decided now's the time. <laughs> yep. Anyway, that, that phrase always stuck with me, which was, um, you know, if, if, and, and if you're a parent, I think it's great for children. It really, cause I always felt heard for lack of a better term that she would be like, I hear you. You know, if there wasn't, that's, you're so justified in that. If, if, if there, if you didn't feel that emotion and that happened, there'd be something wrong with you. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synalytic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, I, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synalytic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months. I wouldn't have believed it, but uh, I tried Qualiacinolytic, and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. 
Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, quiacinolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Quiacinolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that. And uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this. So that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got rocket money. <laughs> okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. By the way, Ryan here, who you can't see, is my uh, editor, engineer. He's awesome. I love him. And uh, he's a big Scrubs fan. I mean, you have so many Scrubs fans, but uh, I asked him, he says, thank you. I guess you have headphones on. You could hear that. Ryan, thank you very much. (laughs) But his his favorite episode is the, uh, go ahead, tell him. Oh, it's uh, Overkill, the one with Colin Hay at the beginning. Yeah. That's a great one. Thank you. Thank you. We didn't, so yeah. So what happened was we were going to do a a, a re, I, I, 
let me start this. Colin fucking Hay from Men at Work, by the way, was on there. Uh, was on the show, and yes. and Ryan Colin loves Hay, who was in Men at Work, and uh, now has an amazing solo career where he where he has uh, tons of great songs. You should check out. And he also, of course, does covers of the old Men at Work songs as like folk acoustic, and they're amazing. And um, at the time we were making Scrubs, um, you know, a very long time ago, but we had him on. We 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 used his music, and then because he's sort of a funny character. And and uh, and and uh, has had been on, I think, the Larry Sanders show as himself or something. So we had him on uh, in a, in a fantasy sequence, and he was he was wonderful. Yeah. If I said I can't get to sleep, what would you say? I think about the expectations. I think it's implication. Implications diving in too deep, and possibly the oh, complications, especially at night. I worry about situations. situations. I know be alright. I'm telling you, have you heard his his like solo acoustic uh, version of that? I had lunch with him last year. Uh, I I've seen him acoustic a few times. I I just. I love his stuff. He's so charming. I'm telling you, if you if you guys if your listeners if you guys haven't heard, go go listen to some Colin Hay. Like, um, uh, you know, obviously go listen to the Men at Work songs you might like that he covers, like Overkill. But um, there, uh, just I just don't think I'll ever get over you. It's just one of my favorite heartbreaking Colin Hay songs. Um, beautiful, uh, my my my, it's a beautiful world, a beautiful world. Um, He's so talented. He's so and talented. Ever, and when the world opens back up, go see him live because he tours and it's mostly just him with a guitar, but he'll tell, you know, most artists, they, they tell you a story about the song and you're like, okay, get to the song. He goes off on the funniest stories. He's like a part standup yeah. and you're cracking yeah, up yeah. about him telling these anecdotes and he's done it for so long, just like a standup comedian. He knows what works and what doesn't work. And he tells these wonderful stories and then goes into a song. It's, it's, it's really great. Yeah, he's a great storyteller. You know, when you got Scrubs, obviously, you, I, I didn't believe this, but I mean, I believe it. But six times you auditioned for it. Is that true? Yeah. But, but I, you know, that's a lot. Like that's, that's a I mean, lot. I can understand you go in, they want to see you again, and they want you to test. But that's six times. I mean, what did they well, want to see? What did they want to see from Zach Braff? Well, that's a very good question. I think... Um, I was a waiter and I had no, I didn't have many credits. I had only done a handful of things, I, but I had nothing they could really look at and be like, oh, he'd just been on this show. Um, and I was up against a, a couple of known people, um, that I won't say, but okay. I'll tell you off the air. And so I was like, I was kind of like, I'm never going to get this. They're going to give it to one of these known guys. But so I, but then I kept getting called back. And then I got called back again. And then it was like a work session with Bill, the showrunner. And then it was, uh, then it was, okay, we want to see a chemistry with you and Sarah Chalk, who'd already been cast. And then it was, then you know how the, uh, the end goes. You then go in front of the studio. They, they're, apparently they're not doing this like they used to back in, in our day when we got going. But for those listeners who don't know, when you go to the studio, a studio test, you would then go in front of like 10 to 20 people. And it was so intimidating. Oh. And then if you pass that round, you'd then go to the network where there could be, I, I remember for Scrubs, it was probably 25 people packed in a small room and, and all staring at me. And it's like, the, I, I remember thinking it's like the Olympics, like it doesn't matter how well you did it at home. It's like you do it now or you die. And, uh, and it, it, it's a ludicrous process because I never understood why you're making the actor sweat so hard. They're not auditioning to be in a Broadway show. 
you know, where they have to perform live in front of you. They're auditioning to be a, a, an actor that's great on set that that cuts together well. Right. So why not now? At least when I've done pilots in latter years, there's more like, okay, we'll we'll look at the tape. We don't need to we don't need to have you come in and 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 do this in a tiny room in front of thirty people and so much pressure. Well, it worked out. Yes, it did. How many seasons it was it? I did nine. We 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 did nine. Yeah. Good God. I left a little bit early. So I sometimes say I did eight and a half, but the, we did nine. Now, obviously you've directed a ton. You, you know, directed the hundredth episode. You directed, I don't know, what, 30 episodes, 20 episodes? No, no, no. Not that many, actually. I, th- I thought it was more two. And I recently went back and looked and I think I only did like seven or so. Do you remember when you first directed an ep- uh, episode of Scrubs? Were you really worried about, it's like now you're directing these people you've been working with. And that's that's the scariest because you want to make them think he knows what he's doing. Do you remember the, yeah. that first day or? Yeah, I, I had done. I had tiptoed in because here's my tiptoe in was. Um, well, first of all, Bill pretty much made fun of me like a big brother. Our our show, our showrunner creator has since become one of my best friends and he's a mentor to me. But at the time we had a very big brother, little brother relationship. He was supportive of me and he loved me, but he was tough on me and. Um, I think he had an interest, it seems, well, he's admitted it in the past of sort of keeping my ego in check because he didn't want to have a, a, a kid who'd become super famous and cocky and ruin his life. <laughs> um, so he would do things to bring me down a notch. And I remember that um, the line producer said that I could direct the music video for this theme song. Um, um, and I thought that was so exciting. And Bill sort of made fun of me. He said something quip like, oh, well, that, that should make sure no one ever sees it. And I really felt like shit. And he did it in front of the crew. And, and I did it. And I, I, I said to myself, I need to crush this. I need to crush this to not only show him up and give him the finger, but also so that the, so that the cast will trust me so I could one day direct an episode. So I just put everything I had into it and I made a really cool music video, which I haven't seen in years, but you could check out if you're curious on YouTube. And um, and then what happened was Garden State, this was roughly 2003, then Garden State happened and Garden State had a record sale at Sundance. And then he had to he had to sort of eat crow and change his whole tune. And then he was like, OK, you can direct an episode. But the big brother didn't go away because he gave me an episode that was impossible to execute in five days. It was like epically huge and lots of locations and stunts and literally a night shoot on the Universal New York Street back lot with a stunt. Like as, as though he was saying like, all right, motherfucker, here, go, direct an episode. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was, you know, it was like a 10 day episode meant to be shot in five. I feel like that's an ego thing. And that's like a, I'm not saying, it, you know, Bill, Bill's a great guy. Uh, I, I, I've had other people do that to me, you know, when I directed an episode of Smallville and I had, there were producers that were, they, some people, they want to see you fail. They want, they, they want you or they, or they want to see you struggle and see how hard it is to actually direct. They don't yeah. want you to walk in there and go, Oh, look here, he's being given the keys when they've worked their whole lives to do what they're doing. And so when they, you know, they say, okay, drive. Now, doing a TV show, ever it's a lot easier than directing a movie and then hiring the, the the crew because everybody knows what they're doing, and so right, you you're know, a well-oiled machine by then. Right, it's easier, but I think there is definitely that that thought of uh, I don't know how many people in general. How, 
Do you think people generally go, I want to see him succeed? No. You know what my favorite Hollywood quote is? I don't know who said it, but I always think of it when, when this shit happens in my life. I go, you want to sum up Hollywood? It's like people want you to do well, but they don't want you to do that well. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, and I can't even express how true that is. And it's, if you're thinking of coming here, just know that people want you to do well, but they don't want you to do that well. Yeah. I think that's why... I mean, uh, and that's on a micro and macro scale. That could be your friend who's an actor. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, they're happy you got that pilot, but now they're kind of pissed you got that pilot because everything's going to change. Or it could be on a macro scale of, you know, the media and the internet builds up a new star only to just fucking wait five, four, three, two, one to fucking drag them down. Uh, man, yeah. I, I'm glad you you said that because I feel that way. And I feel that way even with like, it could be friends. It could be where they really, they want you to be successful and healthy and there's no malice. There's no, but they don't want you to get bigger than they are. They don't want yeah. you to get more attention than they have. And that is just innately some people. That's just, th- that's who they are. I, I'm sure you, when you got your big break, um, had a few friendships disappear. I did. Yeah, you know, my thing is, is I don't change in a way of like, and I'm sure you do. I mean, look, you change because now I'm not living in a one bedroom with four guys. Now I'm not, now I'm able to have my own car and now I'm able to, so there's, there's definitely changes, but I would purposely try to do, I'm just always, I'm a kid at heart. I grew up in Indiana. I want to go bowling. I want to karaoke. I want to do stupid shit because that's what makes me happy. So I would go to the opposite. I wouldn't do fancy shit. Fancy shit is something I don't feel comfortable with. I didn't do fancy shit, dude. I'm just saying that. <laughs> so you did do fancy shit. You know what I bought? The first thing I bought was a shower. I went into Waterworks, which is a very expensive, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, appl- not appliance, um, fixtures, a water, you know, bathroom and kitchen fixtures place. And I said, what's the most expensive shower head that you have in the store right now available for me to leave with? <laughs> And they were like this one, and I was like, "I'll take it." <laughs> it was the first thing I bought with my with my with my newfound money. You know what I bought? Shit, you not. There's, there's there's two things that I remember. Three things. I did this seven minute scene in a movie called Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil with Clint Eastwood. He directed me, yeah. and I wasn't invited to the premiere, but I thought I'd show up. And I bought myself a suit at Fred Siegel. I spent for a jacket, shoes, everything, probably about two thousand dollars. I didn't have it. But I wanted to look like a movie star for my seven-minute right, so scene. Sweet. <laughs> I guess, and I, I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to act like, oh, this is like, how could I make myself? I was dropped off in a cab in front of Warner Brothers. I walked there and I waited, and I saw Spacey, who's in the movie. Oh, Cab, it's Rosenbaum. He was like, oh, hey, how's it going? I was like, what are you doing? Are you are you coming into the movie or not? And I said, yeah, no, I am. He's like, no. I go, I don't have a ticket. Like, you don't have a fucking ticket. Just come with me. It's fine. So I, I walked. That's a good impression. Well, thank you. And he, I walked in and that's how I got in. So I spent all that money. That was one thing. So that wasn't really, I don't even know why I told that story. But B, I told my dad the first time I bought a Galaga machine, the full-size Galaga machine for 800. You know, the arcade game from the 80s? Yeah, I bought arcade games too. I think that's like a, I think that's like a. Silver a, a, our age, Our age uh, range. uh nostalgia like first first giant check you're like what arcade game will i be getting from my living room <laughs> just mine, was, a- mine was spy hunter oh i love spy hunter yeah. was that the song no nah, 
That's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, also, I, I remember when uh, Going in Style, when you directed that movie. Yeah. First of all, I was a little bit jealous. I was like, oh, my God, that's one of my favorite old movies with uh, George Burns and uh, Laurence Olivier. And I was. No, it's Lee Strasberg. No, Lee Strasberg. Yeah. And, and uh, George Burns and. Um, R. Carney. Yeah. Thank right. you. And so I remember I was, so I was like, oh, my God. And the movie was so fun. But all I kept thinking was, how is Zach not freaking out directing Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Alan Arkin? How is he on set every day acting cool? I was freaking out, dude. Every day I was freaking out. And I couldn't believe it. You know, I'd, I'd only made, I'd made two small indies that, I, that I'd written. Uh, Wish I Was Here, my second one I wrote with my brother Adam. And uh, they were all, you know, they were, they were relatively tiny. This was like a giant action heist movie with three big stars. I just kind of couldn't believe it was happening. And uh, I'm looking over at the poster, which is on my wall. And I love them. I love all three of them so much. And, and I, I think at the time I was just, I just knew like an actor, I had to play the part of confident director, but I was certainly a, a bunch of times having to give myself pep talks. Well, what were the, well, I, 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 to me, it seems like the, and I'm sure he's a brilliant, not he's friendly as shit. I just look at him and I'm like, God, but Alan Arkin, right? Mm. I just picture him doing that. Why are we doing that for? We, we we just did that already. I just why don't we? I don't know what he sounds like, but sort of. All three of them are big personalities, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a real. It's an advanced class in directing because first of all, we direct. I shot that movie in in Manhattan and Brooklyn, and for the most part, and in the summer, um, and crowds form. I mean, crowds form when you're shooting anything in Manhattan. Not crowds. People are used to it. Hold on. Let me deal with it. Let me deal with sure. the crime dog. Two seconds. Baby, what do you want from me? How about out here? I guess it's good practice for a kid when you're like, how do I assess what the dog wants? Right. Yeah, I think this was it. I want to sprint in the garden, not watch you do a podcast. I'm back. <laughs> um, so obviously people in Manhattan are, are, and, and tourists and such are used to seeing uh, film shoots and, and everything. But when you're when you're shooting a scene with Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine and Alan Arkin, like a crowd forms. And so... And paparazzi come. And so it's, I'm doing an action movie with seniors in Manhattan and Brooklyn in the middle of summer with crowds and paparazzi. And it was like, I just remember some days laughing, being like, this is like, how the hell do we shoot this? Losing the sunlight. And there's like a giant crowd that's at least been wrangled to that corner. So we have to frame that corner out. Ugh. But ultimately, it was a lot of fun. And I'm really proud of the movie. I think that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't write it. I wish I wrote it. Ted Melfi did a great job writing it. But, um, I, 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 you know, it, I, it, was, it was in my, my audition, if you will, to, to, to the studios that I could scale up and, and make something bigger if I, if I was given the opportunity. Did you ever do impressions of them in front of them? Um, Probably not in front of them, but right but now I, do, I can do one now for you. I remember Michael Caine coming to set one day. I, I have to get in character. Hold on. Michael Caine, Michael Caine. I just seen Hamilton, and he was it was the, he had seen Hamilton the night before, and he's coming. And he said, "You're not gonna. It's amazing. This one's talking like this, and the <laughs> other one's singing like this. It's it's amazing." He was like giving his rent. Michael Caine presents Hamilton. His impression of uh, of rapping, which was pretty hilarious, and then of course Morgan chimes and goes, "He's not going to be talking about this again, is he?" Morgan, do you um, do a good Morgan? 
Morgan, hello, this is Morgan Freeman. He was my outgoing message for a while because he lost a bet to me and, and in losing the bet, he had to do my, my outgoing what did voice he say? message. It was like, hello, this is Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Zach can't come to the phone right now. Please leave a message. The funniest story was that I, dude, well, first, first time we had a, I got them all in a room together, the Carlisle Hotel, this super fancy New York City hotel. And it's me, I'm in a, I'm in a suite that's sitting around a small circular table is Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, and Alan Arkin and me. And we're just sitting there. And we just start talking about the movie. And I'm, I just can't believe how surreal this is, but I'm sitting there, we're just shooting this shit. We get to a scene in, in Going in Style where the characters get high. And Michael Caine stops and he goes, you know, I don't know if I've ever been high before. I think Richard Burton got me high, but I don't really remember. What's it like? And then so I start describing to Michael Caine what being high is like. I'm like, well, you're kind of giggly and it's a little bit like being drunk, but it's more a little bit more silly and 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 um and I'm just whatever. I go on and describe it to him. And then, you know, my eyes pan over to Morgan Freeman, who just looks at me and goes, I'm a pothead. <laughs> yeah. That is really so Morgan, good. it was Morgan's way of telling me like. I won't need practice. And if you look at the movie, if you watch the scene, uh, Morgan uh, clearly shows that he's had a joint in his fingers before. <laughs> what uh, what uh, is the hardest thing about success for you? Like, what what is it that because people say, oh, poor guy, you know, you, it seems like you can't ever talk about problems because you shouldn't have any problems if you make a lot of money. If you're you know, you do movies and you do these things, you're we're ultimately lucky and grateful as as we are. It, it's hard to to bitch, but what are what's the toughest thing for you about? Um, I mean, you've been famous for a while, but what is it? Is it is it just sort of? Well, you you, you can answer the question. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I feel even stupid answering even after you gave your uh, your uh, yeah. I don't know why I asked qualifier. It. I mean, I, I I don't have anything to complain about. I think I think unless you're in the public eye, you could never get used to reading something false and mean about yourself. Um, that some writer took a long time to write, whether it's a, a bad review or it's an article about you. It's just that I don't think anyone could fully digest someone or a publication publishing something super mean and or negative about you until you've experienced it. And if you're in the public eye and you put out things, people are going to write about what you're up to what's the one thing that hurt your feelings the most though like if you read something about yourself and you like knew it wasn't true or maybe you i don't i mean i don't want to call out a specific thing because i'll just call attention to it but i just think you know there's times where i'll read something and i'm like wow this fucking person got the assignment to review my movie and they clearly don't like me <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's like it's not like my movie's shit it's like i'm shit and i just always I just don't think I'll, I've been I've been famous, quote unquote, famous for 20 years. I don't think I'll ever get used to that. Have you ever thought of responding to them like, what do you got against me? In the beginning, I used to. I totally used. But back in the beginning with like the beginning of the Internet and MySpace and Facebook and I would or even call people sometimes I would totally engage. Um, I'll give you an example. I will give you an example. I won't say the magazine, but I once early on in my success, I had a I met with a writer. He was going to do a big piece on me. And it was a big deal for me because I hadn't been profiled, you know, before. And I spent the day with the guy. We had a blast. Went around lower Manhattan, started with coffee, then got a few drinks, then just shot the shit. I'm sure this has happened to you too. It's happened to almost everyone that's, I know that's been 
famous. Yeah. The article comes out and I look like such a fucking asshole. And I was just, I was gabs, gobsmacked. And I call, so I asked my publicist, I go, can I that guy's number? I mean, I'm just, I'm curious. I have to call this guy. And I'm like, dude, this is like a hit piece. What'd you do? And he goes, full disclosure, I handed in the story and they said it has to have an angle. But what was my, it had no edge to it. It had no angle. I, I needed to find an angle. So this was what I had to do. And I was like, I, I learned a lesson early on. Like there's this story, the, there's a reason if you look at huge megastars like Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, there's never, there's never, um, they never sit down for those, those things anymore. It's always Q and A's. It'll say Q, A, Q, A, Q, A. Cause they, they've, they like, well, I don't need to do that. Why do I need you to go spin how our day went? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I learned early on that um, people don't want to read that me and this writer had a fun day walking around Manhattan doing like a pub crawl. They want to read an angle. They want to read an edge. That's so true. People want you to do well, Michael. They don't want you to do that well. They <laughs> don't want you to do that well. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out. And it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And, I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside what's up everyone it's reality steve your number one source for all things bachelor nation and reality tv every day i'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your bachelor nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars my name has been synonymous with spoilers but i'm so much more than that give me a listen the reality steve podcast part of the believe network just search b-l-e-a-v on youtube or wherever you listen what do you do for fun man what do you do for uh like you know what makes you happy what i mean i hate that that's a bad question what makes like what what's fun for you besides work what is fun i love um even though i just broke my toe i i love riding a motorcycle i i didn't know you rode, rode motorcycles i do why was i seinfeld I there I didn't know you did that. Um, that brings me joy. Um, what else brings me joy? Um, being with my girlfriend brings me a lot of joy. Um, playing with my dog. 
Um, in normal times, going to the movies, going to the theater, I have a, I have a place in Manhattan and I go there often and spend a lot of the year there in normal times. And nothing makes me happier than going to dinner and then going to the theater and then going out for drinks with friends after. That's like my perfect night. If you had a choice to do theater, movies, or TV, that's it. You get one to do one. That's it. I don't care. That's it. One of them. What is it? Well, now it would be TV because I think, well, you're talking about as an actor or director, I guess, or both. But then you have to choose. Um, <laughs> well, I guess I would choose films because, but I was about to give a qualifier that now everything's on streaming, but I, my answer would be a film, whether it's streaming or in the theaters. Um, I love theater, but uh, it's a lifestyle that's really hard. I did a I did a Broadway show for six months. It was supposed to be a year, but I only did it for six months um, because it wasn't selling well enough and it closed. But after six months, I was like collapsed on the ground after doing eight shows a week. Um, so I love it, but it's not something that I have the the desire to do right now at this point in my life. Do you are you able to turn off? Let's say you do a show, it finishes. You know, Broadway shows are like what eight o'clock, eight to eleven. Yeah. You're done. Can you yeah. shut off the next morning? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's why everyone goes and gets drinks after because you, you I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I, I'm sure I, considering the amount of alcohol consumed by Broadway uh, actors, dancers, and singers, I can tell you it must be not just me. Um, yeah, it's very hard. Your adrenaline is going so strong and it's like 11 o'clock at night and your body's like, I'm not going home. Well, what about so, the next day? You wake up. Are you well, thinking you about to, that night? You don't have, it's a weird life because then you wake up the next day and you have the whole day free unless, unless it's, you know, the weekends or, or Wednesday. And, um, but you can't really commit to too much cause you gotta be at the theater by seven 30. So it's also really hard to maintain relationships. Your, your partner has to be down with that lifestyle. You know, friendships kind of go by the wayside because you can't ever go to dinner with anyone. You can't ever. Unless they come to get a drink after the show, you never really see them. Do you get nervous before a show? Every show? Every, every, every single performance. Yeah. Every performance. What time in the day, if you're going up at 8, do you start feeling those butterflies? Um, 7.15. They, they start, when you're in your dressing room, you start hearing them come over the intercom saying things like, half hour, this is your half hour call. Half hour, everybody. Good, welcome, <laughs> to the, welcome to Tuesday, everybody. Half hour, half hour. <laughs> and then you're like, that's when you're like, oh, fuck, here we go. I got to go. I got to go do it. Who's and, uh, yeah. every every time I think every time I think I'm going to fail or I'm going to fuck up or or it's going to go horribly wrong. Do you ever go up on your lines where you're like, just just fucking completely disastrous? I have. Um, thank God, knock wood, touch everything knock in the on world. Wood. Um, not not so horribly. I couldn't get back or or with the help of friends. But that's my that's a huge anxiety. I mean, that's that that's you know actors have nightmares about that. What's the most famous person that ever came to watch you? Uh, and you found out. Oh, look, um, uh, Kenna Reeves is in the audience. He's here to see you, Zach. <laughs> uh, my man crush, uh, Chris Martin, uh, came. <sighs> that was a big moment for me. What's your favorite Coldplay song? Oh, it's got to be Fix You. Um, because it's... I, I, lo oh, I love Fix You, I think. And What If? And um, Swallowed by the Sea. Who's your favorite band ever? Tough question. I can't answer that. I can. What is it? Chicago, probably. Really? I just I'm love. Glad you didn't say Steely Dan. Oh, I like Steely Dan, but you know what? Here's the problem with Steely Dan: don't see him live because you'll get screamed at by people behind you with binoculars saying "sit down," so you can't ever dance or anything. You're like sitting there. I go, I got in a fight, not a fist fight, but I'm, I, you know, I paid really good money to see Steely Dan. You know, like forty dollars at least. 
And uh, I'm there and I'm just going, I'm like, go back, Jack, do it again. Wheels. And the guy's like, sit down. And I'm like, I paid good money to come to a concert and have fun. Why don't you watch on DVD, asshole? It just It's tricky. These concerts, these musicians Ugh. that fall between there's musicians that are clearly sit-down performers, <laughs> and there's musicians that are clear standing performers. The ones that fall in between, you're always gonna have a problem with Ugh. people being like, sit down. That's true. All right, this is called Shit Talking with Zach Braff. Uh the, you, this is rapid fire. These are uh my patrons, fellow patrons want to ask some questions. They like you. Okay. Nico P, if you're having an off day, what is something you do that helps you get in a better mood? Uh, meditate. Does that really help you? Because I tried it yes. for a while. What, how long do you have to meditate for it to 20 work? 20 minutes. Use the app Headspace. There's a bunch of them, but I like Headspace because I like the guy's voice. Um, just do it 20 minutes a day in the morning. Um, not after you've had a ton of coffee because that defeats the purpose. If you've had coffee, then wait or do it before coffee. Um, and do it 20 minutes a day for five days. I bet you you'll notice it. Wow. Leanne P., what's something that people would be surprised to learn about you? I have my pilot's license. Like air, like pilot. Yes, I fly airplanes. I mean, I don't currently fly airplanes because I let my license lapse and I'm not current. But I, but I, I did get super into it and bought a plane and flew around the country. That's it. I can never be a pilot because I'm colorblind. Oh. But I think that, you know, yeah, I'm colorblind. I mean, I know I'm colorblind. I'm just saying is that I'm sure that's. Oh, I didn't know that that was a restriction. I mean, there are. Yeah, I couldn't see why it would be. There's things that involve needing to see colors. Yeah. I've been there like, okay, there's blue lights right there. I'm like, which, which, one, which ones are those? To my, oh, so to you're my pretty, right. You're really, you're really colorblind. It's not like you can replace it saying, oh, for everyone else, my green is red or whatever. You're really. Colorblind. Blue, greens, red. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Emily S. Did you improvise on Scrubs often? Yeah, a ton. And that's a credit to Bill. I, I, I gave him shit for, for, for being tough on me, but I, I should end by saying uh, I love him to death and he's one of my best friends in the world. But as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, you know, a nod to him, he was very, very free with letting us play around. And a lot of people's favorite stuff came from us just being, you know, so close and silly and, the thing about Scrubs is it created such a safe environment. You know, when you when a normal when you go into a job as an as an actor in a normal situation, every you know it's like first day of school. You're nervous. You, you want to do a good job. You want to seem like you're good at what you do, and and you're like you don't want to put yourself out there too much. You don't want to overstep or be too big. Or whereas after the family that was created in Scrubs, and I'm sure you felt this with with your shows too, is that it creates an environment where there's like. There's a net underneath the, the 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 line, and you can you can always go crazy and do whatever comes to your mind and just be fully self-expressed. And out of that safety, a lot of it will be too silly and not make sense, but some of it will be will be gems. And a lot of that happened on Scrubs. Who is the one? I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be hard to answer because you don't want to say one person, but who's the one guy or girl? who made you laugh the most. It's just Neil so Flynn. I can say it. Everyone, everyone on scrubs would probably say the same answer. Neil Flynn who played the janitor. He's a hilarious, uh, improv, uh, comedian and, and, uh, a genius, uh, funny person. Do you remember a day where you just, there's times in the script where it would just say, and then Neil makes up something. Because <laughs> the writers would be like midnight and they'd be like, I, I, I don't know, whatever we're going to say, he's going to beat anyway. So just have him come up with a punchline. And it would say like parentheses, Neil makes up something funny here. 
And he always would. Oh, times 10, dude. He's, he's, he's the most quick-witted actor I've ever performed you, with. What's the one thing that you remember where you just couldn't stop laughing? Like, they, it was getting up, people were getting pissed because they couldn't move on. There's a bit, and you can look at this up on the gag reels on YouTube, but there's a bit where the janitors wanted me to wear, his wife had made me short shorts made of the scrubs material, and he wanted me to wear them. And uh, I was like, I'm not, I'm a doctor. I can't wear short shorts to work. And he said, but my wife, and this is all stuff he was making up. He's like, but my wife put a lot of work into these. She doesn't have, the good Lord didn't bless my wife with all 10 fingers. She was just born with pointer and thumb pinky. <laughs> and um, he then proceeded to show how she made the, sh the short shorts using pointer and thumb pinky. And I couldn't get through it. And that's just him being silly and crazy. Uh, Lisa H. I love the show. Alex Inc. Such a shame. It got canceled. I know what show. I know what getting canceled is like. Great premise. Great cast. Did being a part of that show inspire you to create your own podcast with Donald? Uh, that's a very good question. I didn't know much about podcasts at all, other than the serial podcast, which I uh, devoured and thought was amazing. Like so many people, it was the entry into the podcast world. And then I, then I got introduced to the story of Alex Blumberg. Um, and, uh, and a podcast called Startup. Season one of the podcast Startup um, was the inspiration for Alex Inc. Um, and that and that guy's story, which is an even crazier story because since the show's got canceled, he sold it for like a billion dollars. And now the character that I was playing is uh, is incredibly loaded. So it would have been a great season two. But, um, but so that, I didn't know much about podcasts. Then the show got canceled and... The genesis of the podcast to do with Donald, which is called Fake Doctors, Real Friends, um, came because the two gals from the office started doing one um, for uh, for the office. And they Fisher, were sort of, yeah. Yeah. And people were approaching Donald and I because they know we're best friends in real life. And they said, would you guys ever want to do this? We said, OK, sure, that could be fun. I mean, it, it was it was we said we, we can't really do it when we're working. But when we have downtime and neither one of us is doing anything, we'll bang out some episodes. and It'll be fun. We haven't seen these episodes in 20 years. Well, then COVID hit and we were like. We have absolutely nothing else to do but this. And it became a great thing for us. It was like therapy because just like I am with you, me and my best buddy and these two producers who are, are super fun would just sit around and laugh and tell stories. And neither one of us were ever stand-ups, right? But with the with the joke structure, with the with the with the spine of an episode of Scrubs to use as a as a reference point, it was the perfect, you know, format for us because we could just riff and go on long tangents. And again, we never thought it would be, it would be so successful, but, but, but it's, it's been, it's been great. People really like it. And, and for us, I look forward to it because it feels like, Oh, I can go see my friends and, and have a chat just like I am with you. I love that. Fake doctors, real friends, guys, you got to listen to it. Claudine. I love how Donald always says you want a Grammy for a mixtape. What's yeah, your favorite, what's your favorite song on the garden state soundtrack? Oh, wow. I mean, it, it, God, that's what a hard question to answer, but I'm going to just go with the first one that comes to my mind and say, um, um, uh, only living boy in New York, Paul Simon, because I never thought we were going to get only living boy in New York. And, um, you know, just as a, a, a motivational pep talk for your listeners, every single person I know said, I will never get those songs on that soundtrack. They were, you know, if, if you're, if you're a filmmaker or an editor, 
and you do a rough cut of your first assembly, you put in whatever music you want because you, you know you're not going to necessarily be able to license it all, but you just kind of want to create the vibe. The song will be like in the spirit of The Only Living Boy in New York. I know we won't be able to get that, but that's a placeholder. And then we, we filled Garden State with those and every single buddy, every single person I know said, that's great, but you never get any of those songs. And, um, and in the end, after not giving up and, and really, really doing everything I could short of giving hand jobs, I uh, got every song but one. <laughs> Which one didn't you get? Uh, Fiona Apple's manager. Uh, I, 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 it's not Fiona Apple's fault because I love her and she's a, such a talented human being and I wish I was friends with her. But her manager was awful to us and he was the only person that ultimately still said no. And by the way, who knew it was going to go platinum and, and become and won a Grammy and become a huge thing. She actually would have made legitimate money but he was so mean to us that we eventually gave up. Um, so other than Fiona Apple's song, Paper Bag, which I then later put on another soundtrack because I like the song so much, um, everybody said yes. Uh, last question, Jeff D. Do you have any special charities that you're involved with that you'd like to mention? That's a nice question. Um, I just did uh, something I really liked for, uh, we did a, a reading of the Goonies uh, and Donald and I were, um, um, we're, we're all the, we're, we're many of the non lead roles, um, for a great charity that I like called no kid hungry.org. Um, obviously helping, uh, helping make sure uh, children don't go hungry during this, uh, crazy time. So no kid hungry.org is a, is a, is a good one. And I know it's reputable because, um, the people that organized this, this reading, um, did their research. Uh, comeback trail. When's that coming out? The comeback trail is such a good movie. And you got to see the trailer. Um, it's on YouTube. Um, I have a legitimately large part in this movie. I couldn't believe it myself, but it's me and De Niro and uh, Morgan Freeman again and um, Tommy Lee Jones and, um, and Emil Hirsch. Really good. I don't know because like so many movies, it was going to come out this this fall and got pushed to, to, to next year. It looks so but, funny. Um, oh my God. You look so funny, that character. And you're working with De Niro side by side. Was that just... I mean, honestly, that's the question you're going to hear for the rest of your life. How was it like working with De Niro? Was it was he just was he just kind of quiet, like hey, don't say very quiet. I think the first thing I was surprised about, and a lot of people were surprised about, that he's very quiet um, when he's not between you know not between action and cut. He's the De Niro we all know, and if it's intense, he's intense, and if it's funny, he's being crazy, and he's. I mean, it's a joy to watch. It's like if you love actors, it's like having a front row seat at one of the best of all time. But then you call they call cut, and he kind of quietly goes back to his chair and. You know, and I, it was my, we were in Albuquerque shooting it and it was my mission that he was going to become my friend. So little by little, it's like, it's like, um, you know, someone in the, in the wild befriending like a wolf, <laughs> I, I, like dancing with wolves. I was like, De Niro will be my wolf. I'm going to little by little, I'm going to be this man's friend, whether he likes it or not. So when you, yeah, and, go ahead, go ahead. He's just shy. I mean, I think he's a shy person. And of course, because of who he is, everybody in the world wants to talk to him and he kind of. Um, keeps to himself, and then, but, 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 little by little, we bonded and and became friendly, and now we we text and you text with Robert De Niro. We do. In fact, Flo and I went to dinner at his house, uh, which was just epic, and um, and yeah, I uh, we sat in his massage chair. We both got massages from De Niro's massage chair. <laughs> Wait a minute. So he'll sit there and go, "Oh, you got to take take a look at this massage chair. You're gonna be, yeah. oh, sit down. No, oh, it's great. Yeah, you're gonna yeah, the squint." He's really good in the movie, by the way. I mean, the movie, it's frustrating because I i haven't really gotten an opportunity like this in that so much of my career has been 
um, the TV show and then the stuff I created and then a handful of other things. But but I've never gotten an opportunity to go toe to toe with someone like De Niro in a way that I get to in this movie. I mean, I'm really I'm his nephew and he we're, we're, we're B list movie producers in the 70s. You've got it. I mean, I'm, I'm I can't not just wait saying to see it. I'm in it. It's really funny. If you watch the trailer, you'll crack up. I the saw premise it, I love is so it. funny. It's such a crowd pleaser. And De Niro's never been so funny since, you know, this, it was written by George Gallo, who wrote uh, Midnight Run. So it's that style of movie. But. Um, but anyway, it, it was just a disappointment because this was a huge opportunity for me because I, I want to show people um you know that i can but no the other things other than what they know me for and this was this was a real chance to do that you know it's it's tough because you know you got it you know like you, you have to it's not it, it, call it ego whatever it is it's like you're doing this for a reason you're doing we're in this business because we think we belong you hope you belong and you know you get opportunities and you succeed with those opportunities and things become successful some things don't but then you sometimes go, well, I never really got to do that. And I never, and you just always are waiting for more and more. And it's, it's that insatiable, like, I guess, insatiable thirst of just, you, you don't, the, the wanting to prove yourself doesn't end. It's always, you want to prove yourself, not only to other people, but I know I could do this, but you want to prove to yourself. You want to prove to everybody, like, look, I fucking belong. I'm with De Niro and I'm hanging with him and I'm, 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 I should be here. And again, it's so, you know, what we do when you're an actor, like, it's so rare that you're ever doing it. You know, if you're a painter, you can paint all day. I get if you're a musician, you can write all day. An actor, it's like you're waiting for the opportunity to, yeah. to finally come up. You audition and you hustle and you memorize. I mean, even when you're not a struggling actor anymore, we're still you're still hustling and trying to get a, an exciting opportunity. And and then when it finally comes, when the stars align and there's trucks on the street and it's happening. It's just, it's just, you really want to bring it and fucking, this is, you know, an older actor once said to me, we don't get paid to work. We love working. We get paid for all the fucking auditions you didn't get. And all the times you spent a week memorizing those sides and you didn't get the part. That's what you're getting paid for. That part sucks. <laughs> but when you're acting, when you're doing what you love, God, we should be paying them. Wow. That, that's, and I've heard it, but I, I haven't heard it. It's, it's been a long time and I'm glad you said it again. But did you audition for that? For the comeback trail, or they, no, they just I would have, I would have in a second. But they um, offered George, you the role. They said, "Zach, we want you to play opposite De Niro in this yeah. big movie," and you were like, "Like a big role." It just came out of nowhere, and you're like, "I couldn't, I couldn't believe it." Well, my agents obviously did a good job. George knew who I was. He had George Gallo wrote and directed it. He had seen my work. I think he, his wife, I think also was a fan of my work. It's always good when the wife or partner loves you. <laughs> yeah. And I would have read, I, I got the script. First of all, they call me, the agents call me and go, um, George Gallo wants to meet you for uh, the script. I go, oh, that's awesome. Send over the script. So I start flipping through and I'm like, is this the right part? This part's like in every other scene. And they're like, yeah, he wants to meet you. I go, okay, okay. Well, well, I need some time to memorize it before I, like, no, he just wants to meet you. So I go to his house. He lives, uh, you know, uh, uh, up on top of the hill. And uh, we just we just got together and laughed and just shot the shit and just, you know, the guy wrote Midnight Run. And, and you know, he's uh, he's a very funny man. We just I just had him belly laughing. And uh, it, I'll never forget. It was early in the morning and his, and his wife was still in her robe and she's a, a hilarious, too. And she came in and she's pouring us coffee and we're just high on caffeine, just cracking each other up. 
and he goes, um, he goes, look, I want to, I want you to do this. And I was just like, oh my God, don't fuck this up. He goes, the one thing is you got to go meet Bob for coffee because, you know, because you're doing so much with Bob, he just wants to make sure to approve you. So I, I had met Robert De Niro just at like a cocktail party once or twice. Like, hi, nice to meet you. I didn't, he, I think he knew my name. He'd seen me, maybe he'd seen me in a play. We also, um, not to go on too long a tangent, but my stepsister, Jessica Kirsten is a, uh, a known stand-up comedian. And, and he, she was his coach when he did the movie about stand-up comedians. So we had Jessica in common. I, I knew that was my end to, to befriend him. So I go meet De Niro who was in town and um, for coffee, and we we shot the shit. We we told some funny stories. We, same thing, kind of bonded. You know, he just wanted to feel me out for a half hour, forty five minutes. And I, but even when he was leaving, I was like, oh god, how am I going to know if he approved me, quote unquote, or not? And then uh, he kind of winked at me and said, see you on set. And uh, and I knew that I had gotten the part in that moment. Oh my god, I I, I got anxiety just hearing this story because I picture you're coming in, you're like I'm meeting with De Niro. Okay, you don't, you don't want to you, you don't want to be the guy who's like I love you, I love your movies. Oh, he's like fuck off, you know, kid. Let's yeah. be, you know, we're having co so you didn't do that. You just said, hey, it's good. No. To say, we've met before. No. We have. I, I know, I know, you know, because I've been lucky enough to to work as a director and now as an actor with with some of these old legends. So I I know that like. There's a time and a place where they're in a reminiscing space, but it certainly isn't when you're just meeting them. They, you know, it's, you know, talk about anything else. They don't want to hear about what you loved about Godfather. But were you still, while you're talking to him, you know, like when you're talking to somebody and you're still thinking about, this is Robert De Niro. Are you sputter, like spinning shit out of your mouth going, De Niro, I'm talking to De Niro. Oh, yeah, dude, the I'm craziest part is when you watch the movie, there's scenes where he's screaming in my face and I, I'm getting the squinty eyed, in my face with the mole <laughs> De Niro look in my face. And it's just fucking epic, dude. I remember oh. thinking like, I can't believe this is happening. And then there's a great scene. I'm, I, have, I have one scene in particular that's really big for me where I drive it and I'm fucking mad at him and I'm screaming at him and I slap his face. And I'm just like, this is fucking the greatest thing. Oh my God. To me, honestly, I, I, I could retire after if that happened, I'm just done. I know. I might I be done now. See it. I, you know, you know, as you know, when we're, when, when we're actors and then you, and you have no involvement in the, in the post process, you just don't know how it's going to turn out. You like do all this work and then you're like, God, I hope they don't fuck it up. And this actually came out great. It's so funny, and I'm, I'm excited for people to see it. The comeback trail, guys. Watch the trailer now. I've seen the trailer. It looks freaking hilarious. I'm very jealous. Uh, give me that quote one more time. I want you to do well. But I feel like you might want me to do really well. The quote is, people want you to do well, but they don't want you to do that well. Listen, I, I really respect you, and I, I want you to do well because you're genuinely, you could tell this, you're a genuinely good guy. You're a good person. I could Thank see the you. things you tweet, the things you... People like you. If you hear a lot of horror stories about someone and bad things, you're like, oh, there's probably a lot of truth to that. You don't hear that about Zach Braff. You don't. It's mostly he's a he's a good guy. I'm sure you've ripped people's asses out when you're directing. No, been, I'm no, kidding. I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm a very good, kind person. I I uh, thank you for, and uh, and same back at you. And I like that you're my neighbor. And I hope that we can be real friends. I hope so. I, I really appreciated your time, and uh, this has been a real treat for me. And uh, what's your handle, just so people can follow you more? You like you like oh, you need just more. my name um, at Zach Brav Z A C H B R A F F on on both Instagram and the Twitter. 
cool. When you direct something, I got an album coming out. I'm going to throw it at you, buddy. You're going to. I love that. I have a new screenplay. I, one thing that came out of COVID is that I've, I've uh, I have a new. Uh, I, I forced myself to write, which is always hard for me. It's always a process, and I, I have a new film I'm going to direct. Um, hopefully next year. Fantastic. Well, you know, you got, you, you got the exclusive here on your show. You hear that, guys? All right. Well, if you need an actor, I'm about uh, hundred houses down. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. houses down. Hey, thanks for allowing me to be inside of you. You're the best, man. This has been awesome. Thank you. Bye bye. I really enjoyed that interview and the story with uh, Robert De Niro. <clears throat> oh, my voice. Robert De Niro in the massage chair. Uh-huh. I just keep going, wow, man. How great would it be? You know, zero gravity. You don't want to the whole <laughs> thing, but the. I don't do a De Niro, but. Uh, Actually, if you don't look at me, does it kind of sound like him? I don't know. You're doing this. No, you, your face is doing like 90% of the work. You're doing this thing with, I don't know. You, no good? I need I need to be looking at you. Because the because it, 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 it is here. It's mostly a, De Niro is mostly a visual he impression. He breathes a lot. You yeah. Know? yeah. Every time you say this, it's nasally. I don't know. I got nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Could you... <laughs> Is that from Analyze This? No, uh, Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. That's what meet I meant. A big thanks to Zach Braff for being on the show. Hopefully he'll come back. We've got great episodes coming up. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Just go to uh, Apple Podcasts, write a review, and um, on the YouTube, you could subscribe and uh, comment. I read comments. I respond. In fact, I respond a lot to comments. And if you want to really leave an email, um, just, uh, you know, at hello at inside of you podcast dot com and um i check them i don't respond always because you know it's impossible but uh if you order something on the online store by the way and then you send a message there and you're like oh i want to cancel my order it's kind of too late i i I send things fast people want to get things fast (laughs) uh and remember if you want to really join uh the want to be a groupie for the band (laughs) we'd love to have you uh our spinners the band is sunspin you could be our spinners um, at Sunspin Band, our handles. Please follow us and sunspin.com. You can get merch, Zooms. You can book us for a picnic, all sorts of fun shit. And uh, merch and the also the Inside of You online store. You can get all the uh, Inside of You stuff. Uh, why don't we give a shout out to uh, my lovable patrons? Let's do it. There we go. Should I do an impression this time when I'm doing it? Sure. Who should I do? Walking. Walking? That was because you did it earlier today. Nancy D. Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W, Emily K, Robert I, Jason W, De Niro, Stephen A, Stephen J, is it J? Kristen K, Emilio O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj. There it is. Oh, Raj G, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Jackie P. Who else? Uh, Morgan Freeman, Stacy L, Carly H. Is that terrible? You did a good one uh, in the interview. When I first met Andy. Janelle B, Carrie B, Tabitha two seventy two. Not to be confused with just Tabitha two seventy three. I can't. I'm not going to do it back. Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Crystal H, 
Mikey. Marissa in. All right, give me another one. Do you do Seinfeld or do you accidentally do Seinfeld? El Don, Sup- El Don Supremo? I, I don't do Seinfeld. Uh, Thurston Howell, uh, El Don Supremo, uh, Jack S., uh, Ramiro, Gilligan. Um, Malkovich? Yeah. Beth B., <laughs> Santiago M., Sarah F., Chad W., Leanne P., Roshan, Roshan, <laughs> Ray A., Maya P., Maddie S., Tiffany I., Kendrick F., Ashley E. Something like that. Did you do Nick Cage? No. How about the guy from Silence of the Lambs? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Shannon D., uh, Matt W., Belinda N. Uh, wait, wait, wait. We got Kevin V. here. James R., Chris H., Anusha W., Osborne. You got Osborne? Osborne H., Amy C., Dave H., Samantha S., Spider-Man, Chase, Sheila G., Ryan H., Alyssa C., Tab of the T., Misha H., Deb A., Tom and Natalie, 622, not to be confused with. Natalie, 623. Suzanne B., Henry S., Katie F., Liliana A., Michelle K., Marcus W., Hannah B. Why are you doing with Owen Wilson here with uh, Michael, uh, Michael S., Talia? Wow. 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 That's great. Talia M., Luke H., John S., Andrew T., Christy S., Claire M., Liz J., Laura L., Chad B., Rachel E., Nathan E., Brandel D., and Taylor K. Uh, I love you guys, and thank you for the support, as always. Um, I hope you enjoyed Zach Braff. If you did, please, again, subscribe and uh, listen to us next week. We have another great guest. And uh, always love being here with my friend Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, thanks for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. Ryan, little wave. Yeah, yeah. What song are we playing over here? From my band Sunspin. This is one of the new this ones. This is the show. Thanks, guys. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.